You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. Hello, and welcome to SpyCast from the secret files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. I'm Peter Ernest, the executive director of the museum. I served for some 36 years in the Central Intelligence Agency, largely as what is called an operations officer or a case officer. Every month we'll be bringing you interesting talks with visitors, with authors, with others who have something to do with the world of intelligence and espionage. Our guest today is Dr. Terry Goditis. And Dr. Goditis is a, a graduate. She has actually a master's degree and a doctoral degree from the University of Florida in behavioral science. And interestingly, she works in the cyber world. And I'm going to use that term, and it may be inaccurate, because I always I think of the cyber world as just filled to the brim with people who are computer people. And you are a, a behavioral scientist. I think that's accurate. Uh, for a spell, uh, Terry served in the CIA in the uh, operations uh, side, uh, including in the counterterrorism center, and then has, has gone out and been in the commercial world as well. She's currently with a company, a locally based company called Cyvalence, and I think we'd like to hear a little bit more about that. But perhaps you could tell me first, Carrie, Terry. Um, I, I think of you know why aren't you a computer person? Therefore. Give me a sense of what it is you're doing in the cyber world. And, and we talk so much about cyber war now, or the cyber world, but either one, what is it that your discipline is? Uh, my discipline um, is basically using the internet and the tools that are available to sc uh, scan the internet to look for intelligence, to look for what I call cyber intelligence or scient. Um, and what that is, is basically information that's posted on the open internet whether it be on blogs, social networking sites that a lot of people are familiar with, such as Facebook or MySpace or LinkedIn, um, different types of news groups, message boards, um, different places that people can post both personal and um, just popular information. And the importance of understanding the human side is that, one, anybody can log on to the internet and get a blog or post to a message board or to a news group. And so there's a wealth of information on many of those places. And of course, that information can be used as data, but in, in correlation and in compilation can be used as intelligence. So my job and, and the job of my uh, cyber analytic team is to go out and scour the internet, um, again, using various types of techniques and technologies to do so, and be able to come back and compile intelligence reports about a variety of topics. Um, because again, the internet has billions and billions of pieces of information that can be compiled together to present um, more 
um, efficiently presented information or, again, just raw intelligence. But it's becoming increasingly important. Uh, important. I mean, I see that uh, President Obama is appointing a cyber war or, or a cyber czar, if you want to call it that. And, uh, and also, I think Defense Secretary Gates is talking about appointing something in the Strategic yeah. Command dealing just with this arena. Sure. But uh, let me ask you, in the course of your, of your mm -hmm. scanning or uh, monitoring the Internet, I, I look at your background and I see you've covered everything from simply looking at activism, looking at terrorists, uh, even looking for serial killers, mm -hmm. criminals. In other words, you've sure. assisted police departments. So you're really uh, using your, your skills in behavioral science in the sort of human, the human intelligence part. Exactly. In other words, what, what is going on? How, what can we learn about these people? Let me jump into one question. <clears throat> we hear that the terrorists, for example, are <clears throat> trying to recruit mm -hmm. on the Internet. Do you see that? Um, specifically, we see a number of different types of adversaries trying to recruit and push information on the Internet, whether it be terrorists, activists, um, different types of protesters, or, or literally people <clears throat> now who are um, angry about the banking bailout or other uh, more contemporary topics where they are l launching campaigns to recruit people to join their own campaign. They are educating people. Um, they are vetting people. Um, to see who will be a willing participant in their group, who will carry the flag of their cause. Um, they are also holding online training sessions that you can go from anywhere in the world to download handbooks, manuals, training schedules, uh, materials on how to fund your operations, whether it be through stolen credit cards, stolen uh, banking credentials, um, again, different ways to campaign and get money um, maybe it's putting up a false website that pretends to be a philanthropic group. Um, again, d different means and methodologies being used, again, all from the comfort of one's home. So again, behavior comes into place. The tools are available to everyone. It really gets down to the behavior of the individuals who are the leaders or the campaign leaders of these various adversarial groups and understanding their methodologies, how they work, how they communicate, and again, what kinds of intelligence can be brought back to those targets that they're going after, whether it's the banking industry, if it's environmental activists, it might be the oil and gas industry, it could be the pharmaceutical industry with animal activists, or again, the terrorist groups may be just targeting the U.S. government and our U.S. infrastructure at large. Let me ask you, it, it sounds like you are, not, <clears throat> you are not engaged in hacking yourself. That's correct. Um, <clears throat> but you probably see some of the results of people hacking yes. in. That yes. is, you see traces sure. of that. <clears throat> One of the things that you mentioned to me when we were talking earlier, that <clears throat> you've also done what I guess what I would call B-team activity. That is, we think of A-team, B-team, having different people take different positions on an mm -hmm. issue, see where they come out. Right. And I think you, you've given me to understand that you've done that for companies or, or for the government. That is, put yourself in the role of an adversary yes. just to see what? Uh, we, <clears throat> uh, the team has uh, put ourselves in the role of the adversary. Um, if it's, let's say, for a corporation, um, we may go out and pretend we are off the mainland of the United States, we are in some country overseas, and all we have access to is a laptop, a high-speed internet connection, and um, a cyber cafe. 
and our task is to gather up as much information about that organization, their executives, their employees, their facilities, their infrastructure, that meaning both their physical infrastructure but also their IT infrastructure. Um, collect information, documents, postings, um, employees of these organizations may be posting information. There may be other um, means of information, trade mags, uh, maybe it's real estate magazines that have information about executives or executive homes. Um, so we collect everything about these organizations and then again put together a holistic report that looks like what is this corporate footprint on the internet look like? Where are the risks? Where are the vul vulnerabilities? Um, where are the potential threats coming from? And again it can result from um, too many employees leaking out confidential, proprietary, or sensitive information. It could be certain threats against specific executives because of actions maybe they've taken in their various industries. Um, or it could be direct attacks potentially against their IT infrastructure because unknowingly or innocently the IT professionals and systems administrators are looking for assistance to prevent their hacking to prevent hackers from coming in, so they're looking for assistance on how to build their better firewalls, how to patch their um, perimeters, how to um, set up a router correctly and have the right protocols. And so they might go out to help group on the internet and say, I have this particular firewall, this particular router, um, and need to know how these two things work together with best practices. An adversary can come along and start to, again, string together the different pieces and parts of that infrastructure and then start to attack the vulnerabilities thereof. Now, <clears throat> the work you're doing now is primarily for, for the Fortune 500, for, Correct. for so-called so blue chips. Is it your experience when you do this and you present your report to a company, are they stunned at what you, at what, at the, at the portrait you've been able to assemble just by, as you use the term, open source reporting, mm -hmm. just by being a normal person, you're not hacking, right. you're, you're doing some good investigative work. Exactly. Let's say an executive uh, had a DOI, DUI charge or something right. that's exactly. in there. Uh, are, is it your experience that you're finding companies are, are stunned at how much you can learn from outside? Yes, um, I would think that the, the majority of the companies are very surprised that the, the, the veracity of information out there, the quantity and also the quality of information um, and I think they're also surprised on where some of their information leaks, so to speak, are coming from. Some of it's coming from insiders. Some of it's coming from outsiders who are um, either former employees or vendors maybe of those organizations. Um, but two sort of lines of information are coming from children and family members of the employees and the executives where we are finding on blog pages, again we go back to MySpace and Facebook and, and LiveJournal and all of these types of sites and find that the children are posting and, and they're very proud of their executive parents, um, but they're disclosing information like travel itineraries, home phone numbers, when they're having their slumber parties, when mom and dad are home, when they're not home. And again, if you're an adversary, and you want to target that individual or their family for a number of reasons, this becomes very rich intelligence, particularly for an executive protection team. Um, on the other hand, there are sites that present information for what I call um, third-party or eavesdroppers. 
Um, so you have wait staff at restaurants or you have someone sitting in a, in a plane or a train and they open up their laptop and expose information or a PowerPoint presentation that they're working on. And the person sitting next to them or, or, the, or the wait staff overhears something, maybe about a merger or acquisition, something about insider trading, something about somebody's customer base or how much a company sold for. And that type of information gets posted on sites like I overheard it in New York.com or DC Chatter or London Chat. Um, there's dozens of sites that post, again, eavesdropped or overheard information that sounds really interesting. And we've picked up a lot of information, again, about mergers and acquisitions, insider trading and the like on those types of overheard sites. We, you know, I'm listening to you, and I, we are a talkative society. Yes. And I think immediately, uh, I go back to the agency now where you and I both worked, and I think of our, our colleagues, you and I were both in the operations directorate, but they are posted overseas, they may be working on the terrorist target, but these are things that are often known to their children. Yes. And, and, I, would, and, and I would think that if terrorists, you know, have, have uh, early information that so-and-so is going to be posted, you name it, Lebanon or Baghdad sure. or whatever. Um, I don't know how much you can say, but do you see traces of people like terrorists assembling that kind of information on government employees? Or maybe you're not working that sector. I, I don't work that sector, but I would have to say that since that information is readily available to anyone, um, the types of information, like you've said, we don't hack, we don't, we don't break encryption, we don't crack through passwords. This information is available to anyone um, with, with, again, a reasonably uh, high-speed Internet connection. So if they're not doing it right now, um, the, the near-term future would dictate, and I would predict that they would be using that. But again, even in the recent press, um, I saw, you know, U.S. Army Intel is concerned about Twitter, which is a microblogging platform um, where operatives would be able to pass information very quickly in near real time with, you know, only 140 characters. It's there. It's gone. Um, so there's a number of different platforms that I think different intelligence organizations, whether it be, again, our, our former employer, the CIA, or military intel, or NSA, or whomever, are probably looking at as the means, the mode, and the methodology for communication for a number of these types of groups. You know, for my generation, and I'm older than you are, I can say that on the air, um, it's, for me it's like a giant iceberg because it's invisible. It's yeah. an invisible world. Yes. I mean, the information you've got is tangible. Oh, yeah, look at that. That's information. But it's all happening around us. Right. I think of it as happening underneath it or Absolutely. over us. But we can't see it. Right. And yet it, it's... It's there. And, you know, some of the information, I think some of the struggle is when you're looking at intelligence on the Internet and, and deciphering and vetting whether it's valid or invalid, um, there's propaganda campaigns. There are psyops. There's other things going on, um, either because an organization is launching marketing campaigns or customers are upset about a certain product or a pr performance of a product. There was a lot of... Um, dismay about some of the lead products coming out of China and so there's propaganda campaigns whether it was coming out of China to say no no we don't do that you know our stuff is clean and it's safe um, yet you had Americans and, and other people around the globe who were putting their own information out there saying you know these companies are are uh, buying and selling and manufacturing their goods in China so 
again, the same types of things I think you and I saw in the real world are now happening in the virtual world. Yeah, this administration got it, didn't they? Yes, they the did. The Obama campaign yes. used these tools Absolutely. extraordinarily effectively, Yes. which I think bodes well because they got it and they're going to understand what it could do to our country in terms of our own vulnerability. Yes. Um, is some of your work for uh, companies like power companies and that, that sort of thing? Yes, we have um, mm. our, the, the types of companies we service are the, the financial services industry, the energy industry, which includes oil, gas, electric, nuclear energy, pharmaceuticals, retail, insurance, hospitality, um, and a number of different high-tech companies and some, some other um, organizations that don't fit those clear market verticals. And of course, and I know we probably won't get into it in, in, in depth, but I hope you discuss it uh, later, and that is we've seen now this used actual, in actual conflict, in actual yes. war. In other words, the, the sort of the Soviet softening up of, of Georgia before they invaded yeah. there, and the same with Estonia. Right. And, uh, and our own use of this kind of... Yes. of uh, yes, I had read a report... Going and into I Iraq. And I, I don't know whether it's a true report or not, but it made its <clears> way through the news, is that for the, uh, the bombings in India, in Mumbai, um, the Pakistanis who were um, allegedly involved in that attack used a, ver used a version of Google Maps, um, Google Street View, um, but I guess a, a Southeast Asian version of that to actually do reconnaissance and surveillance of the various hotels that they were going to target before they even stepped foot um, in that country to carry out their attack. Well, I remember they used. I think they had a GPS on the on the boat that mm -hmm. they commandeered, for for you know for sailing. Mm -hmm. But are you saying they used something like Google Earth for the actual on land part of the attack? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I I would ask you if you can share with us any startling examples. I mean, and I understand you can't name the company or right. or what, but right. just an example of you know, just the sort of thing that. That, that you've run across in your work that might be of interest? Oh, there's so many things, honestly. Um, uh, there's always the disclosure of proprietary, confidential, um, trade secret information. And again, sometimes the sources of that information aren't coming from the company itself. So the company's website is not hosting that kind of uh, confidential information. Um, but what happens is they have to share that confidential information with maybe their team of attorneys at a, as a private law firm or another vendor or contractor. And because we do live in sort of a uh, virtual society where a lot of people work at home, they bring their laptops home at night, um, one pattern that we're seeing is that when, they, when they, the, the employees um, do that, um, sometimes other members of the family may get on just to check their email really quick. And, and most companies allow sort of personal use, um, so that's not a, a, an egregious violation by any means. Um, but what happens is, you know, somebody gets on and they download some music, they go out to a peer-to-peer -peer network, um, and when those peer-to-peer -peer networks aren't set up correctly, it exposes your, basically your entire C or D drive, um, exposing not only perhaps the confidential information you brought home to work, um, for your, for your uh, company or for the client that you're working for, um, but it opens up everything else that you personally have stored there. Maybe you have a list of your own passwords, a documents that have your IRS tax forms on. Um, again, anything that you personally store there can potentially get shared 
with everyone else who is also logged into that peer-to-peer -peer shared drive, peer-to-peer uh, -peer network. So that's one level of exposure that, again, I think um, some organizations were surprised to find out that it's not really leaking from inside. It's when people go outside the company, they bring things home um, to do so. Uh, the other thing that I am um, amazed at is sometimes the level of organization that some cyber criminals, for, for lack of better word, um, have in the sense that we had um, done a study where we looked at um, some bad websites um, that were hosting everything from adult pornography to child pornography to other unsavory things to see, well, what else might be in common? Um, do the cyber criminals work like a sort of old-fashioned crime syndicate? Do they have their hands in everything, anything to make a buck? And one study we did showed that the individuals, organizations, and host companies that are, let's say, hosting up um, different forms of maybe pornography um, also are hosting up malware on a number of their different sites. So again, they're trying to get you to download something to um, collect your credentials, your banking credentials, your credit card numbers. Um, those sites and those hosts are also hosting things like black market pharmaceutical sites. They're hosting phishing sites. So those are the sites that you think you're going to your bank, but you're really not. Um, so when we look at it holistically, those who are hosting these bad things, um, again, much like organized crime, they have their hands in everything. And so I find that very interesting that, again, the real world is now being mirrored in the virtual world. You've, had, you've worked for both an intelligence organization mm -hmm. and you, you also worked with law enforcement at one point. Mm -hmm. um, now you're working primarily on commercial, yeah. commercial customers. Are, are there things you run across that, that might just so uh, anger you, or, or maybe anger isn't the right word, but, but are there things that you just feel you should share with law enforcement at some point? Or? Oh yeah, absolutely, and mm -hmm. we do. Um, we have a relationship with the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation and their Innocent Images Group, as well as the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, because we are private citizens, we don't have the, um, the authority to review or, or transport or do anything with child pornography, so we have a relationship with them to present them the findings for, for those law enforcement groups to do what's appropriate. Um, when we do stumble across information that may have to do with a government organization, whether it be the State Department or um, DEA or, again, a local law enforcement organization. Um, we are good corporate citizens and we will call them and involve them. If we find something of particular um, threat to either someone's immediate safety, um, either to themselves um, or it's a workplace violence kind of situation, we not only tell our customer um, but we also offer the um, introduction or the coordination with law enforcement in their local vicinity to get them involved in taking care of that kind of issue. Let me ask you a personal question. Yes. If, if you have or were to have children, yes. would you let them go near a computer knowing what you know is out there? You know, yes, I would. <laughs> and for the reason being, you know, you look through history on how parents parent children. And we all know, look both ways before you cross the street. You know, don't look in dad's briefcase. You know, there's a whole list of things that children are taught from the time they can, can speak and listen. Um, 
And so I think those same rules and those same lessons can apply to the internet. It's just a matter of parents understanding that, yes, the child can go onto Facebook or MySpace. It's a matter of how do you protect that child with making sure only their real friends are joining and maybe not virtual friends because you don't know really who it is behind the keyboard. Um, it could be another child. It could be an adult. Um, so to, again, vet the friends that go on. Um, and to make the children aware that um, it may be just as dangerous at times to go on to the internet and talk with a stranger as it is to talk with a stranger at the end of the street or outside their schoolyard or something like that. So I think it's more application of the same rules and the same learnings that we've had for decades and decades, just applying them again to the, to the computer world. Well, you're very reassuring. I'm sure you either <laughs> are or will make a very good parent. Thank you. <laughs> Is this another personal mm -hmm. uh, question? Are you now managing this kind of thing? Are you personally uh, working, let's say, the your work, the computer, from day to day? Um, I would probably say not day to day. Um, I manage and in charge of our delivery organization um, that basically writes the daily and sometimes near real time reports that go out to our customers every day. Um, I do step in, I do profiling work still, where if we have a threat against an executive, I will do a full behavioral and psychological profile on who the alleged perpetrator may be, what their level of danger is, um, perhaps some suggestions for what one could do um, as part of that person's executive protection team. So I do get very, uh, get my hands dirty, so to speak, um, but I do spend a lot of time um, holding meetings, talking in, in these types of venues, evangelizing um, the need to know about cyber, cyber intelligence, and all of the different facets of the internet. So it's a very mixed job, which is great because I still keep my hands in it. Well, Dr. Terry Goditis, you've been very uh, successful at evangelizing here today. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's been very enlightening and just a little scary. So I really want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, it sounds like you are doing good work. Thank you. And there's plenty of other people out there who are not. So the very best of luck to you, and thank you again for thank joining you, us. Thank you. A pleasure. Well, we look forward to uh, continuing uh, this dialogue with you. And uh, we'd like to know if you have any comments or questions on today's SpyCast. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, through email at spycast at spymuseum, that's one word, dot org. That's spycast at spymuseum.org. Thank you.